Welcome to Occasionally Posh, where we enjoy life, laughs, and shenanigans. I'm your girl, Chastity B. And I'm Sunshine. Welcome. Welcome. Today, we are joined by three very special guests. We have Miss Sasha, Miss Jasmine, and Miss Mary Pauline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, and I know that one right. Let me introduce myself properly. Hi, guys. Thank you both for having me. Thanks, everybody, for um, tuning in. I am Mary P. Jackson. All right. Um, MSW, LCSWA, and Child Forensic Interviewer. All those things, because I do things out here, like Black girl magic. Okay. Look at Sasha. <laughs> Black girl magic. Please don't mind the child lady over there in the corner. Okay, don't mind her. Please. Not let that reflect. <laughs> oh, I'm brain. Your business. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Just like whatever. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining. Like they said, please share, share, share to all of your families, friends, loved ones, coworkers, Obama, even Trump. He can watch. I don't care. Um, please share to everybody you know. <laughs> um, and, and of course, we always start off with the first segment being four plays. So, Chastity, you always go first. All right. So this week, my question is, whenever you go to bed at night, do you go night-night or do you go Nate-Nate? What? what? <laughs> so what? only me and Mary was the only ones that looked at the fight? <laughs> it depends on what type of thing. Oh, I did look at the fight, but now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, if it's been a long day, I'm going Nate-Nate because he was out. You understand me? Like... Bless his heart. That's all I can say. Bless his little heart. Bless it. Bless it. Yeah. Terrible. He definitely was struggling. I go night night. I ain't trying to go night night. Night night, you might not wake up. So I won't. <laughs> 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 okay. He went out like How about a drunk, you, like a drunk person. I'll just go night night. <laughs> I go night night. I sleep good. <laughs> <laughs> me too when I finally go to sleep it's Nate Nate I be kind of like laid out <laughs> she do she don't ask her phone or nothing yeah. <laughs> alright so for my would you rather question it might be a little too deep but we gonna but this is more of a deep episode so we gonna see so would you rather date someone you love or date someone who loves you Ooh, I've seen that question before. Chastity, you sitting up there looking like you got the <laughs> Think about that thing, Chastity. Um, no, I, okay. So, because I have been in love before and wasn't loved, I'm going to choose to be in love, be in a relationship with somebody that loves me. Because I want to know how it feels to actually get the 100% love and not this raggedy mess that these men be out here giving me. So sweet. I know. Got love. I'm like you was grown and everything. <laughs> I'm mad for I, 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 
grew up overnight. <laughs> All right, Miss Mary, what about you? Um, I think I, I know that I've been in both situations before. Um, I think that I'm selfish when it comes to that at this point. So I would rather be with somebody that um loves me. So yeah, I'm I'm selfish. What about you, Jazz? Ain't nothing wrong with it. Jazz, I'm gonna say the same thing. I concur. What about you, Sasha Fierce? Yeah, I'm gonna go with them because I've only been in one like real, real relationship. So I, I want somebody to love me the way that I get love. <laughs> what is wrong with her? Get out. <laughs> no. How about you, Sunshine? <laughs> I mean, I've been both. I've been loved and I've been in love. Um, I want to be both, of course, but I feel like I would handle being loved more than me loving somebody and they don't love me back. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's bad because somebody can love you like with all their heart, mind, and soul, but if you don't love them back, you can't really commit the way you want to because you don't have right. the love there, you know? So you're just going through the motions. And it ain't nothing worse in the world than being in a relationship where you're going through the motions. <laughs> right. Exactly. Been there, done that. Right. Don't want to do that again. But I feel like women handle that situation better than men do. So I'd rather they be in the place where they love me versus vice versa. Because <laughs> I bust the windows at your car. No. <laughs> I would break in your house at three o'clock in the morning and look at you while you sleep. Right. <laughs> Um, Chastity, do you remember the incident downtown where you smacked somebody for buying somebody else a hot dog? Sure do. Sure do. And I'll do it again. That you broke into. <laughs> do better. Please do better. Well, like we said, Listen. growth. Growth. <laughs> growth. But my thing is, if she was hungry, she should have stayed at home. If you couldn't afford a dollar and fifty cent hot dog, you shouldn't have been out there at the bar. Y'all yeah, I did give her twenty for a dollar and fifty cent. We done all been a decade ago, and that's exactly what she said. If she was hungry, she should have stayed at home. I was like, oh, so we all just gonna go to jail out here tonight? Cool, fine. <laughs> that part. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Turn up. <laughs> all right so for the next segment we always go to our what's happening and what's up and chastity's leading it tonight so go for it so this week we wanted to um dive a little deeper and get into traumas in the black community uh, one of the traumas that is in the black community is um, my mind just went totally blank. Help me. Sexual assault. Mental health. Mental illness. Mental illness. <laughs> y'all, sorry, y'all. My mind went blank. I got it. I got it. Okay. So mental illness um, in the black community is pretty um, heavy. Um, currently, there are close to 40 million people in the U.S. that identify themselves as Black or African American. Research has shown that the Black community is 20% more likely to experience serious mental illness issues, such as um, depressive, major depressive disorder and anxiety. Black adults between the ages of 18 and 25 
are experiencing a higher rate of mental problems and lower rates of utilizing mental health. Besides the fact that there are a lack of resources in some areas, we have to take into account that the low utilization can stem from lack of trust in the medical system, inadequate um, insurance, mental health providers that don't look like us, financial reasons, and in my personal opinion, backlash from family members and the community. So I guess I want to start this off, um, start the podcast, huh? I said, don't forget the church. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I want to start this off by asking, oh, honey, oh, that's next. We're going to touch on that. Um, so I want to start this off by asking, like, why do, why is there not enough resources out there, especially for African-American people? There's not really a lot of us in the mental health that we see. And then if we do see them, they tend to go to the bigger cities instead of staying in the small areas where there's not really anybody there. All we have are Caucasian therapists around here. Like I was searching for therapists and the nearest one that I could find, I mean, it was some like around here, but it was like so sprinkled compared to non-black. Um, I'll start first. Oh, sorry, go ahead. What'd you say? Nothing you can. Okay. Um, I think that as black people, we don't use the resources enough. And so I feel like um, as another <laughs> black woman, like, why am I going to keep, why am I going to put my business in an area <clears throat> where it's not going to be utilized? Um, and I know that, that might not be the best way to look at it. But if I have expertise in an area and I want to spread it, I want to give my knowledge to people who are actually going to use it and take into account what I'm trying to tell them. I feel like so many times in the Black community, we get wrapped up in, oh, just pray about it. It's going to be okay. But I feel like God put mental health professionals on this planet for a reason. And so um, I think that that's one of the biggest issues. Like we don't use some of the resources that we're given. Yeah, I agree. I also feel like that mental health, as far as being able to pay for it or have good insurance for it, it's like putting a back burner of insurance policies. So a lot of it, even if you have insurance, you can't afford it or you have to make it deduct. Like now I'm at a job where I have good insurance where I only got to pay $30 a visit. But my past job that I was at for six years, I would have to pay $200 for one visit. (laughs) So... Mm Um, you know, you can't afford to go. And then on on the vice versa of things, therapists don't take Medicaid a lot of the times because it's not paying out enough. Um, so if it's someone who is low income and they need help, then they can't they they can't find no therapist because either there's not none in the area, or if you get get the one, it's too far. You don't have a vehicle, you don't have gas to get there, so on and so forth. So I just feel like as a nation and as a universe, as world, whatever you want to call it, we need to make it more affordable all the way around. Because unless you're super rich, um, <laughs> you just don't go because you got bills to pay or especially for the black community. Yeah. Your therapy is really important, but it's last on the list. It ain't one, two, three, four, five on the list. You got to eat, you got keys, you got bills and so on and so forth. So if it's going to cost more than 20, 30, $40 to go, guess what you're going to choose. <laughs> right. So that's what I've seen, especially working in the nonprofit area um, where we couldn't get people help because <clears throat> and money, money makes the world go round. <laughs> yep. How about you, Jazz? We coming to you last because I already know you coming to the gym. Miss <laughs> Moore, you got, you got some input. 
No, I agree. And well, like Shadana said, from working for a nonprofit, I was there for seven years. And it wasn't until maybe the last three years that we had like an own on site mental health provider. But at the same time, you could only see that provider a handful of times, like, or you could only see them and your visit would be 10 or 15 minutes. And who's to say that you can really get off your chest of what you need to get off of your chest if you like, oh, you got 10 minutes, you got 15 minutes, or you hear me come way, come to the door and giving you a, a midway knock, like you need to, you need to wrap it up and you need to come out. And a lot, like, I don't know, I just feel like, I don't know, like they're not really heard, like, like me being a person of color and having a person of color patient come in and they tell me their problems and I listen to them and I can relate versus our behavioral health person wasn't of color and she's just mm -hmm. like I don't really know what she wants me to do for her and I'm like I know what you need to do for her which what you mean like right but yeah and I think like Sasha said oh just pray about it honey you're gonna be all right it's, mm -hmm. um but where am I gonna find a, a wallet a hundred dollar bills at, beside my mailbox or um, is somebody else going to help me get through this family disaster that I got going on? Because I'm trying to mend this relationship and this one, this one, this one to help my mama do this, this and this. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, I feel like if you, if you don't talk to somebody, it's, it really is like a never ending cycle. And the part of it is, is if I have family trauma or I have issues that I don't talk about, I take the risk of my children having these problems mm -hmm. and they don't have anybody to talk about. Like mm -hmm. if I have something that I need to get off my chest or if I have something that is psychologically wrong, I need to address those things. You can't give a hundred percent to somebody else if you aren't even halfway to a hundred percent yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's just, it spreads like wildfire. Like you just, you don't realize like how many bridges that you burn when it comes to things like that. Like it's just, I don't know we could go on talking about this topic forever like it's just yeah. so much it's just like you don't you don't even know where to begin like just just us having this conversation right now it is legit the tip of the iceberg like oh, we ain't even know we're near the water right. at all right and I'm, I want Mary to talk of course but just to tag on what you said but a lot of black people don't trust white therapists either yeah which is yeah. not yeah it's some really good white people i mean i'm all about black girl magic and black therapy yeah. but sometimes you got to take what you can get so if it's either right. being healthy and having this white therapist then that's the better choice to say oh we ain't, i ain't got no black therapist so i ain't gonna worry about it right, <laughs> that's right, not right. the answer <laughs> like either way you need to find help i had a white mm -hmm. therapist not that long ago and she was amazing mm -hmm. and she knew when she couldn't relate to things that i may want to talk about and she knew what was going on in the world and she was like, I know, I don't know what, you know, the black community is going through and with Floyd and things like that. She could, you know, she knew how to get through my problems and she mm -hmm. was black. So right. I hate for people to, I, of course, I want way more black therapists out there, but I don't want that to be the reason why you don't get hit. Right, right. <laughs> I think black people just don't trust a lot of people in general. Like, I don't think it's just like white therapists. Like, I think we've been so conditioned to like, you Keep don't, it inside. In the house stays in the house. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that too many of us have taken that, and we have went entirely too far with it. And that's why you have kids who are like, who go through things at home, and they're not willing to tell anybody because what happens in this house stays in the house. And now you have adults who have 
trauma that's never been addressed and now we got a whole nother issue mm-hmm. and you're toxic i don't care if you are my mama my father my grandma my baby sister my cousin if a relationship is toxic then it is toxic and you need mm-hmm. to let it go for yourself like yeah. that's just that's just it like <sighs> all right Mary, go ahead finish it off all right guys so <laughs> As everyone said, representation definitely matters. Um, that was one of my main reasons for wanting to do what I do is because I, I work with primarily um, adolescents, children, ages five to the top tiers, like 21, and I deal in um, sexual assault, human trafficking, incest, that kind of stuff. As a survivor of um, childhood sexual assault, I feel like maybe I would have been a little more open. I was always open. That's another story for another day. But I I would have felt better I, talking to somebody that looked like me. You see what I'm saying? Like representation matters. Um, putting yourself in a position to where you can have these little black girls and boys come and have a conversation with you about what's going on in their home because everybody has already touched on, you know, secrecy is something that's huge. And, you know, the black community um, not tearing each other down and not wanting to get such and such in trouble. So that representation, you know, seeing people that look like you is definitely a thing. Um, Somebody also touched on the price. Therapy is expensive. I'm not going to sit here and hold you and act like it's not. I am one of, it's it's a lot of us out here that do accept um, Medicaid. I'm one. You can go online and search, of course, and, you know, find out who your Medicaid providers are. There are also some that operate on a sliding scale, you know, according to what you can pay. So I know that with everything going on that caught, like you said, therapy is not top tier as far as where you're going to put your money at right now. We're in the midst of a whole pandemic. So there are some that are not in it just for the money that will, you know, work with you on a sliding scale resources it's some places that mental health help sucks like it's terrible like (laughs) it it is some agencies that do not have the client's best interest at heart it is about billing and that kind of stuff but don't let one bad experience turn you off you know what i'm saying sometimes you don't find a partner that you want to spend the rest of your life with on your first go-round so don't expect that with therapy either. I have a therapist, had, I ain't um, talked to her in a minute, but it took me a while to find a therapist that I felt like I clicked with. Like it was a process of me finding somebody that I felt comfortable with because you are going to be telling this person your deepest, darkest, innermost, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, money, don't let that deter you. Sliding scale, Medicaid, Medicaid is a thing. Um, representation, like um, Sunshine said, of course we all prefer to talk to somebody that looks... Oh, wait a minute. She froze. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She'll be back. Dun, dun, dun. Hope she don't, I hope she knows she froze. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I know she probably said a whole bunch of good stuff too. Right? <laughs> Come back. Come back. Jack. Jack. <laughs> You said Jack, come back. Yeah. Rose. She probably ain't. Right. So um, while she's getting fixed up, I want to go to the next topic while she's getting fixed up. 
But I do want to point out um, that right now is open enrollment for insurance. Um, so reach out to people to see if you can get signed up for insurance. Hopefully you can find some insurance that will help cover um, for mental health. Also look into your local community health centers. A lot of them have sliding fee scales where you can um, go see a doctor as well as a therapist uh, for a lower rate than going to a regular place. Like, um, I just want to reiterate on what everybody else said. Don't be afraid just because they're not your color. Um, they could really be a good therapist for you. So use your resources. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. This is a battle that a lot of us are fighting. And we got to get through it because you don't want your storm to rain down on your kids. Right. And Chastity, um, there's a website called Therapy for Black Girls for those people who do prefer a Black therapist. Um, and it's like, you can find the nearest black therapist in your area. So please use that as a good resource. A lot of people don't know about it, but I try to tell everybody I know. What's the name of it? It's called therapyforblackgirls.com. Okay. And also, She's back. She's back. Also contact the therapist <laughs> in the area. I mean, they'll work with you as well. A lot of therapists won't work with you as far as payment. They want that money up front. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you can't run into a good therapist who'll be like, I can, we can get, set you up a payment plan. So you won't know unless you ask. <laughs> right. So, okay. So welcome back. <laughs> Girl, AT&T, as much as I pay these suckers. <laughs> <laughs> you already know I'm calling tomorrow and I'm going to cuss out about five good people because I'm going to call somebody out, hang up on them, call back, get somebody else, cuss them out. Don't be messing up my pocket. Baby, I'm here trying to do this, and y'all out here killing the vibe. But I'm back. Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? <laughs> I cannot. So we're gonna go um, um, to another topic. It's still within the same topic, and it's something that I think all of us pointed out was church. I feel like church drops the Look at ball <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to mental health, when it comes to domestic violence, when it comes to drug use alcoholism like everything I feel like church they do not do what they need to do and what they should do they tell you to pray God didn't make you stupid prayer is fine but if you can go out there and find resources get resources you still need to talk to somebody you still if you need medicine you need your medicine prayer is not going to fix a mental imbalance and people, church people need to remember that, figure that out, and do something. <laughs> do better. <laughs> Have you a resource guide or something. Everybody got the outreach mission. I'm just saying, do something better. <laughs> right. You ain't got to do nothing about it personally, but you can refer them to someone who can help them. But don't, right. don't just pray over them and throw some oil on them and say, all right, you're healed and be done with it. Right. <laughs> don't work like that. Okay. That is a conversation I had with um, Chastity earlier when we were talking about, you know, mental health in church. And I was like, you know, with that, I mean, of course, if prayer is what works, meditation, whatever, whatever. But sometimes it doesn't take just one medicine to cure something. You know what I mean? So there's nothing wrong with prayer and therapy. Right. Go to church right. then come to me. Um, find somebody to talk to because all the... We, I know I was brought up uh, under the, the stigma of you can pray away anything. You can pray away mental illness. You can pray. 
you can't, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you need to find somebody to talk to. So like I said, there's nothing wrong with prayer if that's what you need to do, but also therapy. You can do, you can do two things. They can, they can <laughs> coexist. That's not a problem. And they're actually, I know in Greensboro, there's a, um, I wish I knew the name of the agency right off the top of my head. There's a um, spirituality-based um, agency, Black people that, you know, they're Christian-based, but they're also a group of therapists. Wow. Wonderful. Nice. Yeah, I may pray one to Lee County. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm a heathen, so I don't know too much you know about what? <laughs> I cannot. I'm just putting it out there for the people that, you know, do, you know, do those types of things that, you know, hey, there's there's somewhere for you too, but I'm a heathen, so do with that with oh, you. Oh, you don't call yourself a heathen. Just say heathen. Oh, no, I cannot. Say it, I'm a heathen. You remember whenever you was almost the first lady. <laughs> I was the first lady. I know. And now you a heathen. I love it. I'm a <laughs> dope black therapist, so I mean, you know, I get in where I fit in. <laughs> just say you know, I do a lot of things. I mean, maybe way. Just say he ain't through with you yet. Don't call yourself a heathen. He was still working on me. Conversation <laughs> with you later about how I am a heathen. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't with y'all. Right. <laughs> so we're going to go to the next topic, which is um, something that y'all brought up of what happens in the house stays in the house, um, which is something that we grew up as um, hearing in our Black community households. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that um, I know a lot of people deal with is domestic violence and then sexual abuse, which can stem from family members or friends in the community and all that kind of good stuff. So with domestic violence, um, statistics show that one out of three women and one out of 10 men experience domestic violence in their lifetime as a whole, as a whole, white and black included. Of that, more than 40% of women experience domestic violence. In a report from the National Center for Victims and Crimes, it was found that 53.8% of black women experience psychological abuse while 41.2 um, experienced physical abuse. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I guess, um, I really don't know what my question would be um, based off of that, I guess, like what can we do to, I guess, stop domestic violence in the household besides people getting therapy and learning how to deal with their anger and work through their emotions and don't think that it's okay to put their hands on people whenever they're upset. Just kill them. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, that was my first choice. Lorena Bob? Said, that was my first choice. You gotta catch me first. You know how many episodes? You might be hitting me, please be hitting nobody else. I'm a Lorena Bobby. <laughs> oh, Hit your number doula obligata. <laughs> to be and that's how you're going to conduct yourself in a relationship 
the biggest thing is breaking the cycle. And in order for us to break the cycle, there has to be a conversation about it. But it's hard to get into those types of conversations because, as we're saying, it's always what goes on in this house stays in this house. We don't talk about what happens outside of this house. That's one thing. Two, when it comes to any type of abuse, whether it be domestic, um, sexual, whatever, whatever, <clears throat> there's always the stigma of you're trying to tear a black man down. You're trying to get the black man in trouble. You don't want him to go to jail. And no woman wants that. You know, nobody wants to, to be ostracized from their community, their home, whatever, whatever, because you're going to put him in jail. So that's that's it. Like, we got to really start having open conversations about it. And we got to stop victim blaming. <laughs> like, you can't make it this woman's fault that this man blacked her eye or, you know what I'm saying? Like, we really got to start having open conversations about it. And it's a lot of people that aren't ready for those heavy conversations because it might be your brother. It might be your best friend. It might be your cousin. It might be, and nobody, it's always, you know, such and such did such and such, but it's different because somebody that, you know, we're, we have a tie with and we got to get away from that because abuse is abuse and an abuser is an abuser. And we got we have to start making these people take accountability for what it is that they're doing. And we don't do that. A lot of us, I'm going to do that. I will tag you in a Facebook post. Yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah. We're going to be in the front, front page of the newspaper. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a lot of people that don't want to have those conversations because it relates to somebody that we might know but you you said something that really touched me because not touched me but touched a nerve is accountability why do we don't make men be accountable because we too busy <laughs> to coddle them I feel wow. like women, we are the biggest biggest coddlers of black men and I think I feel like because of everything, we feel like everything they go through in the world today. And I feel like we are a big part of black men's issues. Like we have to make them be accountable for the things that they're doing or otherwise they're going to continue to do what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm raising, I got, I'm not raising, I got three boys, two adults at this point. And if you a woman beater, I don't care if you my son, you a woman beater and I'm not standing behind that. Like I, there's not going to be, well, what did you do? I, I was um, abused, you know, and it, I actually had a conversation with my son's father's mother. This was many, many, many decades ago. And when I was telling her, you know, what was going on, she was like, well, what did you do to him to make him do that? Ooh. I was minding my own business. <laughs> Ma'am, what Ma do you mean? You know what I mean? Ma'am. So, <laughs> that is so But that you would be amazed at how often that is the conversation of the victim blame. Mm -hmm. The woman had to do something to make him hit her because he wouldn't have done anything like that otherwise. I don't feel like there's a situation in this world that really calls for a man to put his hands on a woman. You know what I mean? Like, I can't justify that, and I'm not going to, whether it be my son, my brother, cousin, uh, father, whoever. If, you, if you're an abuser, you're an abuser, and I suggest that you seek help, and I will call the police on you. Yeah. And vice versa, because you have some black women out here who think it's cute to put their hands on men. And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think it's Ooh. cute at all. <laughs> yourself. Both of you, I can go and pull 72, because ain't that what they get now? You get 72. Mm -hmm. yeah, Speaking from experience, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Both of y'all. What you're going to do is 72 hours, uh, no questions asked. Yeah. But um, 
we 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 got into the habit of thinking that these toxic relationships are what a relationship is supposed to be. You see, we judge a lot of relationships. These posts and memes and stuff that we share on Instagram. If they if you can't call me seventy two times a day, you don't got nothing else you want to do. That's I, psychotic. Stuff about you know, um, I've seen a little stupid meme before about how you know that that's how your coochie good is if he put his hands on you. Since yeah, never, that's not what that means. Well, I ain't never had a man put his hands on me, but you know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Take me out. Just take me out. Take me out the group. Take me out the group. But you know, people like Sasha uh, Sasha said is that you know we we glorify almost these toxic relationships and make it seem like that it's cute for me in these ways that are abusive. And when I say abuse, I don't just mean, you know, physical, there's emotional, there's financial, there's so many different ways that a woman or a man can be abused in a relationship. And if you read these silly little memes, people think that that's the norm and it's not. We have to break this this culture that we have. And like I said, have these conversations where that's not really how, that's not what love is. That's not what a relationship is at all. Amen, child. And mothers, Amen. mothers out there, please stop coddling your child. I'm letting my children know early. My my son ain't but 12 years old. He already know if he get locked up, I ain't bailing him out. Being a woman, he gonna be by himself. I don't care. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And what you not about to do is have me financing your mess. That's why I'm all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you on your own. Please stop letting making these men think it ain't nothing they can do that's wrong. That's why so many children out here that don't have their daddies in their life and so on and so forth. Because you are out there making excuses. Well, he really is trying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is a huge, huge excuse. Uh, uh-huh. Chastity has met my little brother. Um, awesome dude. 24, 25 years old. Two degrees. Never had a dad. Doesn't even know who his dad is. Never seen him. And he still turned out just fine. So that whole excuse of not having a man, I don't want to hear that. That's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. If you're angry, seek, seek, seek therapy. therapy. <laughs> I'm here for you. Go black therapist. You know, if people kill me with that, um, that people have to have a dad, that boys need a dad around. Yes, it would be great for boys to have a dad around. But there are so many men out here that are doing very good that didn't have fathers around. I mean, look at LeBron James. You know, his, I don't think his daddy was around. I think his mama was the one that raised him. And he, I mean, as far as I know, he seems <laughs> amazing. He turned out good. You know, um, I, I just don't think that that's an excuse. I mean, it is, men do need to step up and be dads to their kids, but it's not an excuse for little boys to grow up and be bad men right it's not an excuse like for me it's like you have people who use it as an excuse and you have people who use it as motivation Mm -hmm. and so I think that we just have to do better like about telling our black boys like yeah maybe your daddy is not here but be better than him like my brother his biological father was rarely in his life but he just had a baby and when I tell y'all like the best daddy ever like everything revolves around that baby because he didn't use it as an excuse yeah, he used right. it as motivation. I want to be better than what my dad was and so I think more people have to 
to do that. But to answer your original question, I think we have to stop trying to cover up some of the stuff that happens in black homes, because I feel like that's, that's why we grow up with these kids who are just severely traumatized. And so, like Mary said, they're, con they're continuing the cycle and they don't know how to break it because they're just told like, cover this up. Like, he, that's your uncle. He didn't mean to do that to you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And stop lying to these kids. He meant exactly what he did. And he's mm -hmm. He needs to go to jail. Yeah. That's the thing. Amen. If you, if my kids ask me a question about someone and I don't know the answer, don't make up, I'm not going to make up a lie or an excuse as an answer. Like mm -hmm. when your children get to a certain age, you know, younger children, they might not understand the whole picture. So of course you might have to dumb it down just a little bit, but as, as regards to like answering for other people's actions for those children, those children need to ask that person, why did you do what you did? Right. Like if you're not here, if you're not in my life, or if you've done something that you aren't supposed to do, mm -hmm. I'm not giving an excuse for you because I don't know why you did what you did. Mm -hmm. like that person has to give the explanation like for the absent fathers I'm not going to explain to my child why her father is not here because I don't know why he's not here I know that she has a stepfather that's here and loves her and cares for her and that's all she needs to know because at the end of the day well where, where is daddy why didn't he come see me next time you see him why don't you ask him mm. Like that. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't feel that it is my responsibility to make up a lie to my child because she's going to then think that I lied to her, her whole childhood, mm -hmm. making up excuses for where he was. I'm not doing that. That That's not, we should not cover for them. Right? Mm -hmm. And black females, black women, they do that. They cover for them. Oh, well, <clears throat> he's just doing such and such or he'll be back or this that, and a third and just a little tangent the reason that it's all these little issues if he's doing if he's not here if the if the man is not here for the child's life don't bring him back into your life just for convenience for you if you know that he's gonna turn around and he's gonna leave again because the one thing that i stand for is consistency children need consistency either you're gonna be here and you're gonna be here all the time and you're gonna do what you're supposed to do or you're just not gonna be here at all Right. We're not, we, we not going to do that back and forth. You're not going to come here for two or three months and take my kids to McDonald's and to the park and have some little lumpy kumbaya and then you wake up one Saturday morning and know that you want to go party and go hooping and hollering and raw dogging and shit and you don't come see my kids for three months. All right. <laughs> but it, but it's the truth like be, because because you don't want to be a statistic you right. don't want to be a single mom you don't want to be a black single mom right. or you don't want to have multiple children and multiple baby fathers it's life it happens nobody anticipates being a single mom unless you rich and you white and you go have IVF you know that's whatever no, nothing offensive but nobody anticipates raising children alone unless you just don't have a partner and you really want a child those mm -hmm. people you know business women who sacrifice they've worked their whole life and they're like you know what i want a child i want a family those are the ones they they anticipate they knew it nobody really wants to raise children alone that's not what nobody's end goal is your anticipation when you start to make a family is to legit have a family Mm -hmm. So when something happens and your partner is no longer there, I feel like you make excuses for them 
even if they're there for just a minute, even if they're there for just a little bit, you feel like, well, the rest of the world can't put me in that box because he is here sometime. But you can't mm-hmm. just let him be here sometime. He needs to be here all the time. Otherwise, your kids are going to... It's accountability. Otherwise, your kids are going to think, my daughter is going to think, oh, well, it's okay if my daddy is here sometime. So whenever I grow up and I have a baby, if my baby's daddy is just here sometimes, it's okay because my dad was just here sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah. And that's the, yeah. that's, that's the world. I see it so many times where it's like, oh, well, we, we, we together for right now. Uh, yeah, well, child. <laughs> don't get me started no. <laughs> but, it tri- but, it, but it trickles down and then it just turns into a huge mess and it just I just had to say it because it just really irks my nerves like it's not benefiting you or your kids to just let them keep coming back and forth whenever they please that's just I don't feel like that's a healthy relationship just to me to each his own you can do what you no, want I, that's I, just I agree. to me too as far as they not so being a healthy like, relationship because then you bring in you can also bring in the, the doubts in this child to make them wonder why or if it's something that they're doing to not mm-hmm. make the parent be there consistently mm-hmm. and you don't want to you know mm-hmm. traumatize your, ch- your child like that right and I was a single parent you know I think long- about oh go ahead <laughs> no you go ahead <laughs> I was a single parent for a long time and trust me I understand why women don't want to be alone or don't want to be single they feel like them being there is enough but I had just made up in my mind that if I'm going to be doing bad, I'm going to be doing it by myself, honey. You're not going to be on here adding on to my stress, adding on to my drama, and not bringing nothing to the table. <laughs> you living in my household is not saying that you being a father, a dad, a boyfriend, husband. Uh-uh. No, that ain't about made me cuss on here. That ain't nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you hear it, but, I, but I'm doing everything that I'm doing and I can do it by myself, then guess you what? Might as well not be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to point out is people that stay together for the kids. It is not healthy to stay together for the kids. I'm I'm ready to put my family business out there. Mom and dad, I love y'all, but you know, we're going to be open books. I'm pretty sure that my mama stayed with my daddy. (laughs) They already know. I done had conversations with both of them. But I'm pretty sure mama stayed with daddy as long as she did for us. And, but I don't think that she realized that we saw the pain and hurt that she was going through and everything that she was going through. And whenever they finally separated, that was like the best feeling in the world. Like to know that he could no longer hurt my mama the way that he was hurting her whenever they was together. So, and I think I was like 12 or 13 whenever that happened. So, you know, and I'm pretty sure that they probably, she probably thought that she was staying there for us and to keep us happy, but I, I wasn't happy. I hated it whenever they was together. I was absolutely ecstatic whenever they were separated and they was in two different households. You know, it's just don't don't stay together for the kids. It's not healthy. Kids get a false realization of what relationships are that that's not real. And then that's why people grow up and don't know what real love is because they never saw it. Because people stay together for all the wrong reasons and not the right reasons. I think that when people say that, I think that it's a cop-out, you know what I mean, for them as far as being comfortable in a situation that they're not really ready to leave because kids are a lot more intuitive than we think they are. Mm -hmm. That's one. And two, they're a lot more resilient than we think they are. If two people are in a relationship and they're in the same house and they're together just for the kids, 
but there's tension there. You see you what I'm saying? Sense, you can sense it. You can but feel it. Each other. Your kid is going to know that. Mm-hmm. And your kid is going to, they might not have a conversation with you, but trust and believe that it's in their mind. Like, why? Why are they here? Like, I, like you said, most kids would rather you just go ahead and part ways so that we can have some kind, some type of normalcy because I'm a, it's clear I'm unhappy, mom is unhappy, dad is unhappy, but we're all still here. What's the point in that? Right. And also, just to sum it up, stop worrying about what other people think. Okay. <laughs> Golly, that's, that's the main reason in churches why people been married 52 years and ain't been sleeping in the same bed, don't even speak to each other when they're at the house, don't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, ain't had sex in 10 years, whatever the case may be, because you, because y'all going to be at church on Sunday morning. Praying about it. Saying it's sanctified. <laughs> Guess what? All you is at church is on maybe when you go to school. The practice, you go to Bible study, and you go on Sunday. But guess what? You got to deal with that that woman or that man or all the rest of that week. So, <laughs> so uh, how you gonna be your best self if you worrying about what other people look? The only time you need to worry about how you look is when you're trying to go out and you look good. And let me tell you how you can do that. You mm-hmm. can go purchase you an item from Sale Dress. <laughs> so looking <laughs> for that perfect look, but also want to pay the perfect price. Check out Sale Dress. Sale Dress is an international online fashion clothing store who mainly focus on providing women's apparels and accessories at the most competitive prices. So if you're looking for an everyday look, a club look, or that Sunday dress, check out Sale Dress at www.saledress.com. And guess what? For our OP listeners, you get 10% off all of your purchases with the special promo promo code OP20. That is code OP20. Thanks, Sale Dress, dress for sponsoring our podcast. Oh, y'all fancy. That just escalated <laughs> real quick. I was about to say, so you ain't just going to speed past that like you ain't just said... You just say it. <laughs> you think I see through that gym in there? Look at her. Look at her. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the. Thank you for the brief commercial break because that's what it was. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I can't. I can't with you. I'm so we kind of touched on um, everything without me even having to go through my whole list or whatever. But I do have one more thing that I do want to bring up is sexual trauma in the house in the black community. Um so out of every fifteen black women that get assaulted or raped, only one of them is probably gonna report their story. Sexual trauma within the black community is something that is carried down for generations and is typically unspoken. Too often black girls and boys are getting molested by family members or someone in the community that is held to a high standard. And instead of it being brought up, it is swept under the rug. So I guess I want to know, like, what, who are we trying to protect? Are we protecting the child that's getting molested, the perpetrator that's molesting the child, or are the parents protecting themselves All and don't want people three. to know? All, All three. three of them. All three of them. All three of them. Because you, as the parent, you don't want nobody to know that there was a split second that you weren't paying close enough attention to your child to know that something was happening underneath your nose. You want to protect your child because you don't want nobody to know that that happened to them and quote unquote taint them. And then if it's a family member, which nine times out of 10 is somebody that you know, mm-hmm. then you don't want to put them in harm's way and quote unquote tear something in between the family. So each person except the except the child really has their own ulterior motive like they have their own reason 
for not telling. Mm-hmm. And and that's the sickening part because the the only part that's really innocent in the whole thing, you you don't give them their justice. You don't give them their fight, their voice. Like I don't I don't care who you are. That I, you birthed that person. Like you could have died giving that person life. You like you're supposed to do everything that you can to protect that person, regardless of what they told mm-hmm. you back in the old days. Like that, if I'm not here to protect my children, then what am I here for? Right. Exactly. And I feel like I agree. We don't want people sometimes we don't want people to know my child told me this and I didn't believe them. And mm-hmm. so I tell all the parents that I work with, when your child tell you something, even if it's just a little bit of truth believe them believe them go, yeah. go get an investigation done because if they were lying okay yes we put somebody through this and you know whatever but if they weren't lying that trauma has to be addressed y'all will never believe me when i tell y'all i had a child sit in my office and tell me everything her uncle has done to her since she was like a small child and mama knew what was going on and you did nothing to stop it yeah I was like, how, how can you? Like, this is your child. Like, your child is telling you what this grown man is doing to her and it's hurting her and you don't feel the need to do anything about it. And I just don't understand, like, how as a community we can allow our children to go through stuff like this to protect an uncle that truly, if you don't care about my child enough to keep your hands off them, you don't even care about me. So, but we're trying to protect this and I just, I would never understand it. And it bothers me because like, that's, sex can be a very traumatizing thing if you're not ready for that. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know any child in elementary school that's ready for that type of thing. Not even ele- elementary not school, middle school, middle school, or high school, thirty-five. <laughs> you know what? Can we escort her out the group? Can you just dismiss? Cut a cut her off. Cut a mic off. Put you in cut the a mic room. off. Anybody? And the 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 attack on the what Sasha said. The most disgusting thing to me, I've not been a, not been a part of it, but was a very close friend of it is for the family to expect for you to continue to interact with this person mm. and and be respectful and not say anything don't make anything awkward don't tell anybody else and like like can you imagine you know i feel awkward from you know being a cna back in me and shadana and chastity's old days and an old man say something inappropriate and I'm trying to wash his balls in the shower you know what I'm saying it make you feel awkward and then you gotta go the rest of the shift and he like hey, he like hey honey will you get me some fresh ice no like <laughs> but but this person actually really touched you and really made you feel some type of way and I still have to sit across from you at Thanksgiving like that that is disgusting right we like, do better man we gotta do better like it's not fair to our children for them to have to go through things like that. And then they come to you, the one person in this world who they feel like they can, they trust, can trust everything and you don't believe them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's happening right under your nose a lot of the times. And like, you don't even see the signs because you like, oh, that's my uncle. He would never do that. That's my brother. He would never do that. But he did. He did. Um, but he did. It's, it's sad. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking, man. It really is. And also black parents in general but black parents need to learn how to be more approachable yeah 
Trust me, my son come to me with some crazy stuff. And, and when it come to lying too, he lied probably 82.9% about the things that come out of his mouth. <laughs> but it's some level of things that he's going to say that I'm going to immediately be like, no, I need to check this out. And then, you know, if it's a lie, then it's a lie. And I get on to him. But just to brush it off because they are a child and they lie a lot, I would never do that. Um, I mean... I would rather go through the trouble of finding out and be embarrassed than right. be sitting here having something happen to my child and right. I brushed it off because he lied half of the things right. come out of his mouth. And then, like I said, just be approachable. I, me and my mom didn't talk a lot growing up. Um, and, you know, now we, we talk all the time, but um, in the black communities, you know, especially if you're a single parent and you're struggling and you're working three jobs and you having to sleep, all, you know, to catch up, so on and so forth. When it's time to have time to sit down and talk, a lot of black families don't sit down at the table and eat dinner during the week. They don't have time set aside to spend, you know, if they work two or three jobs, all you do is see them coming and going. And yeah, they paying the bills and stuff, but children don't understand that. <laughs> we don't understand it till we grown. Yep. So always find time for your kids sometime or another and be approachable is my, what I have to say about it. It could just be in the car. Like you drive to take them to school. You drive to a game. Like, hey, what's been going on with you? Tell me something new. Like, what's, you know, or I mean, to, be, to make it more approachable, not saying that you have to tell your kids all your business, but you know, they tell you something that happened to them during the week and you talk to them about something that they could relate to. It could be anything, you know, just to break the ice, you know, just to make it seem like I can talk to you, you know, about whatever the problem might be or whatever might be bothering you. And you should be able to tell, like, if you haven't really exposed to your, your kids to certain things and they talk in a way that you know that you don't think that they should be talking like that should be a sign that some somebody's done said something or somebody's done done something because when did you find out what a shaboinka was Honey. one time they tried oh. to say ethan was on the bus talking about um blowjobs and i said he don't even know what a blowjob is wait a minute <laughs> it's a long time ago anyway that's another segment but <laughs> Wait a minute. Come on, Miss Mary. I ain't gonna say the middle name. Really? <laughs> all of these letters up here. Y'all wanna call me by my middle name? Come on, use this. Use this stuff that I earned. You better say that. Just a few key things I wanna touch on. Like I said, sexual assault is my primary, that's my scope of practice. It's very dear to me. Always has been, always will be. Um, first things first, can we please get rid of the stigma of the fast black girl? Please. Right, honey. Woo! I do not care what this 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old girl is doing. There's no reason that she should be appealing to a grown ass man. Period, point blank. I don't know no other way to say it. We right. got to get rid of that stigma of, again, like I said earlier, the victim blaming. Right. She did something. If you didn't do this, if you hadn't have been doing this, if you hadn't have wore this, no. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, don't don't sit on such and such. Stay away from Uncle Chris because you know how he is with the kids. Why is Uncle Why Chris? Why he Why is Uncle Chris not in jail? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? That's number one. Two, knowing the signs. As parents, we like to think that we keep our eyes on our kids twenty four seven, and that we would know if something happens. But a lot of times we don't. Nope. Human. That goes into what Sunshine's saying about being more approachable. 
I have always had conversations with my boys that are very candid. Like I said before, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual assault. So I was always paranoid about my children going anywhere. I'm the parent that, you know, my son come in, anybody say anything to you? Anybody touch mm-hmm. you? Feel uncomfortable? If your child is somewhere and they ask you to come get them, go. We, it's nothing. Oh, else. I do that. Just go get your kid. Y'all can talk about what happened on the way home. Another one, this is by no means blaming the parents, but stop trusting your babies around any and everybody. Please, can we stop doing that? Because my question at this point, when I see all of these things in the news about, you know, this baby done disappeared or this baby has been sexually assaulted, at what point are we going to hold not just the mother who, you know, the child was in the care, but also the father. I feel like he should have some accountability too, because sir, maybe if you would get your babies, then it would be, if you had a relationship, then maybe it wouldn't, you know, be this this room for somebody to land. <laughs> because here's the thing, and it's, there's no um, statistical reason behind it, but it is a fact that once a child is sexually assaulted, once, they are more prone to be sexually assaulted again. It's almost like these predators can smell it on them. That's what I call it. Like you can, it's something that you see about this child that you know is vulnerable and they're going to prey on that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Have conversations with your kids. Let your child know that if they come and tell you something, like Sasha said, even if it's a BS, I got your back. I'm going to believe you. Have these types of conversations with your kids. Um, Knowing the signs, there are a lot of different signs that will kind of give you like just a small piece to let you know that there is something going on with your kid. One of the biggest signs of um, a child being sexually abused is the child continuously wet in the bed after the age that they should be wet in the bed. Pay attention to the signs. Google is your friend. It is here for everybody. Mm -hmm. Use it. Google these things, make yourself more aware of what's going on, make yourself aware of, you know, who is in your child's presence because it baffles me that people are like, well, he doesn't look like a pedophile. Well, what do they look like? Right. If you could look at a person and tell that they were a pedophile, would you even really, you know, that's how they are able to maneuver around the way that they are, that they're usually a person that somebody wouldn't suspect as being a pedophile in my situation once I you know started you know got a little older and was telling my story it was people coming you know different little girls coming out the woodworks about this very same guy but then it was the adults knew and nobody done anything Mm -hmm. nobody done anything you knew that this man was a pedophile you knew that he preyed on small children and you done nothing why didn't you do anything so that makes me you know I'm really leery of people period but um when it comes to sexual assault, it's just so many different ways that your child can be assaulted. It's not, it's not always, you know, we think about these brutal, you know, rapes and things like that. A touch, um, any a conversation, anything inappropriate, it's going to stick with that child. Be mindful of who you have your children around. And if this person has this reputation or you've ever heard something about it before, be mindful, like be really mindful and don't do this thing like we talking about the whole secret seeing, oh, I just, I don't, I don't want them to get in trouble. And I have had so many different cases where it's been just that. I didn't want him to get in trouble. Well, what about your child? Right. How are you, right. 
to do to save your kid because you know, like we talked about having to sit across from your abuser and being expected to still act normal around this person that has abused you. What is that doing to me mentally? One is telling me that even though I know it's wrong, maybe this abuse is right. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I'm expected to make this normal. I'm expected to be okay with this situation. That And that's the thing. So, but there's a really good book I have pulled up. I have read it and it, it can be triggering. I got it on my Kindle because I'm not paying for the book because student loan. But can y'all see it? No secrets, no lies. Let me write that down. Let me put that in my notepad. It is no black family. I love a good book. Sexual abuse. There is very graphic. It is um, written not only from the um, some of the survivors' point of view, but also this person interviewed some of the abusers. And it talks about oh, wow. how, yeah, oh, it, it, you have to be in a, in a good mind state to read that book. When I had started reading it, Brittany was like, girl, put that book down. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. But I, I needed to be able to process some things in my head. So it was a, it was a good read for me. But like I said, you have to be in the, in the right mind state to read it. But it's still a very good book. And it does talk about how it's uncles and daddies and older brothers and cousins and you know your 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 cheerleading coach and it's all of these different people. Mm -hmm. Just a recap: fast black girls, stop this! I hate that. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. We gotta stop victim blaming, knowing the signs, and we gotta we have got to stop protecting these abusers. There is no excuse for us being okay with somebody molesting or abusing our kids, and we just. <laughs> We fine with it. I don't get it. Right. What I agree. No, I just, I'm laughing at I just had a question. No, I'm cutting Jasmine off. I'm cutting off. No, it's a valid question. Okay. Can we please? Well, it's not a question. It's a statement. I'm sorry. So can we please tell our children the proper name for their body's parts? I was about to say that. Because oh it, is not a it is not a okay. cookie. It is not a cookie. It is not a purse. It is not uh no. It's not a pocketbook. It's not any of the, these are penises. These are vaginas. As a child forensic interviewer, let me tell you this: if you decide to pursue, if if something happens to your child and you decide to pursue criminal charges against the abuser, it is going to make your case so much better if your child can go into that courtroom and say that he did X, Y, and Z with his penis and my vagina. I know we don't like to hear that. I know that we don't like to, you know, we that, that seems so adult, but because so many different change, uh, so many different terms like pocketbook and cookies, it's so interchangeable that a prosecutor can make it seem like your child doesn't know what they're talking about. Because what is a cookie? What is a, but if I'm telling, if your child is saying, Somebody did something with my vagina. There's no room for error. We don't got nothing. Right. Right. Vagina. This is what happened, and so you can't really dispute that. Right, and also that's giving. <laughs> Everybody, also, put your finger up. <laughs> and also that's giving the abuser room to, to work with. You know, let me come get mm -hmm. them cookies. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm for yeah. real. That's it. And I, <laughs> I think of the. It's like like a stoplight. Like I told my kids you know like a handshake okay that's fine you know that's green that's okay 
you know somebody mm -hmm. wants to give you a high five that's green if somebody is rubbing on your arm like that's that's a yellow you need to slow down if somebody tries to put their hands on something else then you need to stop and you need to tell me you need to tell someone like there is no person who should be looking at their private parts i tell them unless it's me just because i help them take a bath but or you know if it's my mom but that's that's it you know people who i trust to give my kids baths is the only people who i trust to be around them which is my mom and their father that's it yeah. you know you can't just have your kids staying anywhere because of course they're gonna see them whenever they get ready to take a bath and they need to know if somebody is and that can happen inappropriately if somebody else gives them a bath or like helps them take a bath like you just you got to talk what you say oh i was about to say like but no we need to stop calling them cookies and we need to teach our kids what what places are inappropriate it ain't yes, a cookie. it ain't a purse i mean me as an adult if i decide to call it you know vacuum seal 3000 you know that's different but not as children um i've seen i'm sure people have seen this post it was um going around on facebook about a little girl was coming to school and she telling was telling the teacher, about the her teacher that her uncle was eating her cookies and the teacher never paid any attention because cookies mm -hmm. wow. come to find out the uncle was performing oral sex on the little girl and had she been able to use the proper terminology then maybe something would have happened a little bit you know we would have caught it quicker but because we're talking about cookies and pocketbooks and nini's and vagina girls have a vagina boys have a penis let's talk about it like and those are not dirty words we have to get it like what's dirty about a body part it is what it is so again like she said knowing the proper terminology will help you get a case across quicker than anything because there's no room for error and that's what they look for when they're prosecuting these types of cases is just a small margin of error yes Sasha girl this right here is going to be the last comment okay okay um, we have to let people feel i think sometimes whenever things like this happen we try to rush people through um you should have told quicker you should have you know like no allow people to feel because everybody isn't ready to talk about things like that when it happens like i wasn't gonna tell my story but i wasn't ready thank you jesus but um my roommate's boyfriend had gotten drunk when i was in college and i woke up and he was literally standing over me in my bed so you know my first reaction was to scream like so he runs out the room or whatever and i did wait a few days to report it to my apartment because it's like i have to live with this boy and like it's like what's gonna happen y'all not gonna make him leave so whenever i reported it to my apartment they were like you should have reported it sooner like there's nothing we can do and i'm sitting here like this is why people don't tell. You have to give people their time to like process what's going on and understand everybody might not be ready to tell in that exact moment what's going on. But whenever they do, make sure you handle the situation and address it appropriately because you know that, like I said, that's what stops a lot, especially children. That's what stops a lot of children from coming to tell. I work with kids every day. And when I tell you like, they will they will tell you anything you wanna know and more if you just listen, but you have mm -hmm. to tell it and you can't tell them they're lying. Even if they are, you have to be like, okay. And you know, navigate through it. But as soon as you open that door, like Mary said, once you give them a little room for error, it's over. You have to just listen. And like I said, allow people to feel. 
And know that it's going to affect them when they grow up. You know, a lot of women and men don't know how to love because of these situations. So, mm-hmm. you know, now a woman may not get a man because if he ain't, you know, eating her cookie fast enough or whatever the case may be, you know, I'm laughing, <laughs> but it's serious. Like, we don't yeah. know how to love because of the situation. So, um, we need we, we need to just handle it in the moment, you know, as parents. Um, and stop thinking boys can't be abused because they can be. <laughs> Child, that's why I keep my kids around me. Ask the Pope. He to, you Next. Move on. Move on. <laughs> All right. So we're going to try to lighten the mood a little bit. Relax, relate, relief. Relax, relate, relief. So <laughs> we're going to play a game called Incoherent. I'm going to hold up a paper and it's going to have some words on it. You have to read the words and try to figure out what it's saying. Okay. Okay. Y'all get y'all get 15 seconds to try to figure it out. Let me pull up my timer. Oh lord. Okay. 15 seconds. Is it multiple words or just one? I'm glad I'm sober. It's just one. (laughs) It's just one. And then y'all got to try to figure it out. Y'all ready? Uh Uh-huh. Can y'all see it? Back up just a touch. This drug is real. Go is real. This drug. Uh, I don't know. This Five, drug. four, three, two, one. What is Nobody. Uh uh-uh. uh. Put it together. Read it. Read it fast. This, this drug is real. This drug is real. This drug is real. This drug struggle is real. Yeah. The struggle oh. is real. Wow. You know okay. what I quit. I got you now. So let's bring it on. Let's bring the next one. I got you. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> All right, next one. Rolling the Read it fast. Yep. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Rolling the joint. <laughs> All right. Relationship goals. Relationship goals. Relationship goals. Look at Miss Mary, Mary, Mary said, uh-huh. I'm just going to wait. She, said she didn't get that degree of LMNOP to be doing this. Okay? Right? <laughs> That's what she said. That's what she said. Yeah! Look at y'all. Is there like a monetary prize? Like, do I get a drink or something after this? Because this is hard. This is a struggle. You better roll up a joint. (laughs) (laughs) I can't drink. All right, last one. Long Long and thick. Good job. Look at y'all. Look at her getting getting out of sexual ones. (laughs) Right. That's how I like my men. Like, <laughs> Let us see them nails, Jazz. <laughs> Did you see Mary's? Her is long, too. I know. A long, long. I got a little nails. Yeah. Ew. Ew. What's next, Chastity? 
All right, so next we with Shadon Don. We got to wrap it on. Need it like two more? No. All right, so I'm gonna <laughs> with like what I like to call the audacity. Mm. <laughs> and typically I put up Facebook posts, but I was on Twitter and I found a very interesting video. So I'm gonna pull it up. It better not be the red barn, red whatever. Girl, bye. <laughs> that would have been funny. Y'all know that's a high point. And it's, <laughs> and it's real. I thought it was a fake video, but it's real. Oh What's so ghetto? Mm. I can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I invested I a lot of money into buying this building into developing this concept so black people can have somewhere nice to go to, okay? Somewhere where we can feel good about ourselves as a... Come Stop the music, please. Somewhere where our people can feel good about ourselves as a culture, okay? Yeah. No, no, real talk. And so all this twerking and shit, take it to prime, take it to pink, don't bring it here because we're a restaurant. And so beyond the pain. that, 75% of my customers are ladies. And I'm on Down in the club where the girls get naked. How they carry themselves here. So how can I tell the men to respect themselves? And you guys are twerking on glass here. If you want to do it, you can fuck out my restaurant. Because I did it for our people and I did it for our culture. So don't do it. Now, don't do it again. I don't want to hear it. If you don't like it, get out because I don't need your money. I need to provide something for my people. And don't do it again. Thank you. Did he say if you can't control myself, how am I supposed to have the men to keep their dick in their pants? I don't give a fuck what I'm doing. He okay. still need to keep his dick in his pants. All right. So before we go off, before we go into it, I just wanted to give a little bit more detail because you know a video only say so many things. Right. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> so uh, the own the name of this restaurant is called Lord. I thought I wrote it down. It's like it don't matter because I ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in Houston. And the owner, his name is Kevin Kelly, and he went off on customers because the Patreons were told to stop standing on his furniture and twerking. So the on the glass. So the, tus oh, okay. the customer stood up on her seat and placed her hands on the window glass and started twerking on the moon. <laughs> and the owner stated that he was worried that she would fall through the window, which I think is BS. Anyway, so the customers were, um, they were spread out between three tables. So it wasn't just this one person, one table. It was like a kind of party of like, a, you know, three tables. Um, and they kept being loud and dancing to the music that the DJ was playing. So after he, after he told them to stop and leave quietly twice, so he went to them twice with no mask on and whispered in the air, come on now, I need y'all to stop twerking. You know, this is a nice establishment. He went this to coronavirus on my ear. <laughs> right. He went to them twice and they did not oblige. So that's when he just had enough and he went off. So he later apologized for the words that he used, but he also stated that no matter the music that was played and no matter what people feel they have the right to do, they should not and will not disrespect his establishment, AKA his home. So the question is, who had the audacity, the owner or the ladies that were twerking? So <laughs> I think Chastity had her finger up first. <laughs> so we're going to go with Chastity. I just want to say, I understand where he was coming from. But if I'm in the restaurant and I hear cash money taking over for the 992000 or if I hear got an ass so big like the sun hope he got a mouth or I want to run shove it in my face you know what I'm going to get up and I'm going to twerk but so, you won't twerk on these people's table though 
I mean, I ain't gonna stand up on the table and twerk, but it's gonna be some ass shaking in there. <laughs> I can't control myself over those. It's some songs I can't control myself. Like, I mean, I understand what he's saying. Yes, it was crazy for them to be up on the furniture dancing the and stuff, but yeah, the table and all that stuff. But why have a DJ playing twerk music if you don't want people twerking? twerking right. If I hear twerk music, I'm gonna twerk. Okay. <laughs> you right. exhaust me. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just gonna be the referee. Come on, Sasha. I don't think he was wrong, especially if I asked you more than once, like to stop and you keep doing it, like, bro, we in here trying to eat. Like, we don't want to see all that. Now I am with chastity. Like, if I hear that, I do thank God I ain't got no booty, so I don't be twerking. But you know, I'm not <laughs> a little shoulder twist or something but I mean if he came to me in his restaurant and he was like stop I'm gonna respect what he's saying like this is his establishment and I don't think he should apologize for what he said he said what he said he used the words that he used multiple times and you didn't like and it's not like he was just addressing one person like he was just addressing it as like look I'm saying this out loud like it is what it is and I think too many times we apologize for what we say and no I said what I said and then your truth. I ain't got I no mean, hair to flip, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were wrong. Um, and if they, if I see it from both point of views, I think they both was wrong. Um, but as a business owner, you got to learn how to communicate effectively and in a positive way. So now, right, all you're gonna be known as is that you went there and told people to get the f out your restaurant. You're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though he wasn't wrong in what he said, it's how he said it. I, that's my, I say that about everything. Yeah. So yes, they shouldn't have been twerking in there. But like Chastity said, if you're gonna have a DJ, then that's who you're gonna attract. There's people who are gonna be like, oh, we can go up here and get us some breakfast and twerk at the same time. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you. But he shouldn't have went off like he did, in my opinion. He should have just had them escorted out and then just went on by his business, in my opinion. And why was they on the tables like that? It's so ghetto. Like, what are y'all? <laughs> keep your hand, if you're not gonna keep that glass, like, don't put your hands on my windows. Right. But keep your feet on the floor. Why are you up on the table where people are gonna eat at, acting like? This. You keep your feet right. on the floor. But at the but at the same time, you got the DJ in there, got his sandling out the club. I mean, if you got to turn to the DJ and say, "Hey, DJ, stop the music," <laughs> it's right. <laughs> like, come on now. Right. We can do that in a restaurant. We can't even stand on the bench in the benches, um, in VIP at the club. Like, why would you? All right. To- who can? Who can? Problem. That's your problem. Supposed to. Okay. That's like coming in my house and standing on my couch, and I didn't ask you to get down twice. You can go. Because your couch, nigga. Okay. I've been in a in a club atmosphere with Chastity, where the the bouncers coming over there like, ma'am, can you get down, ma'am? Can you get off the back? And Chastity's like, yeah, I'm gonna get down and. Soon as he leaves, she back up. Now I'm like, girl, again. So we just turning up. All right, everybody. <laughs> I'll tell y'all about the time I got kicked out the strip club one day. <laughs> okay. You don't got to. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and tell it. Because no, I, I was in the elevator whenever you stole that man pizza. You know what? You oh, that pizza was good too. <laughs> that pizza. Was good. You are. No, but look. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
I think we love that man. I think we love that man two slices. Mm-hmm. I woke. I, think I woke up. I don't think I think he might have had one slice. I woke up the next morning. I looked to my left. I seen a boot. I looked to my right. I seen a bra. I looked over at the TV. It was a slice of pizza hanging off the edge. I don't know what happened that night. I was weak. All the Ain't nothing happened. I was just drunk, hot, and I went to bed naked. Honey. <laughs> I don't seen all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Uh, I'm gonna tell y'all about the time I got kicked out of the strip club, and then you know we're gonna end this. So we had went to the strip club, right? We was in Fayetteville. It was some white people in there, and we just stopped by there, you know, get some drinks or whatever. So the girls, they was like, I had met them in the bathroom. If you ever go to the club with me, and you know, back in the day, I used to be in the bathroom mingling with the people, becoming their best friends and their therapists and stuff. So I had became friends with the strippers in the bathroom while they was getting dressed. So <laughs> we come, I come back out and they up there dancing or whatever. They was like, come on, come on. So I go over to the stage and I got up there and the bouncer came over there. He was like, ma'am, get down. I was like, they told me to come up and he was like, get down. So <laughs> I got down. So then, <laughs> so then I'm dancing, you know, passing out my one. The girl was like, come on, come on. He ain't looking. So I got back up on the stage again. <laughs> he came over there, ma'am. If I have to get you off the stage one more time, you're going to have to get out. I said, they keep calling me up here. I'm, I'm not asking to come up here. They keep telling me to come up here. Finally got up here. And as I was about to stand up, he comes, jacked my ass up off that stage and told us we had to go. I can't. I can't. Just tickled I, I, about it, too. Just tickled about being put out of somebody's dang. establishment. I'm so dang. embarrassed that we family right now. You was right. not. <laughs> Some folks ain't never been there. It was fun. <laughs> hey. It was fun. It was fun. Good times. We all done done some questionable things. No. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. me. Me and me and Chastity probably on YouTube somewhere peeing in the middle of the road in Myrtle Beach at the light at the stop. Hey, look, you you telling too much now. Peed <laughs> <laughs> straight through two stoplights. Straight through. And the car behind us ain't blow the horn or nothing. They just just sat there and waited. <laughs> they just they were so calm. They were so calm. They didn't blow the horn. Didn't little toot toot beep beep. Hey, you all right? Get your flashes on. Nothing. Just sat there and waited. 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 I mean, watch, <laughs> watch somebody fall in their own pee and everything, ain't they? That was her. It wasn't me. It was her. I didn't do it. I'm a good question. Don't judge my life. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh, honey, I'm just. <sighs> hey, at least we made God. it back to the hotel room. Everybody didn't make it back. Anyways, all right. So thanks for joining in to Occasionally Five. <laughs> where we enjoy life, laughing, shenanigans. Um, special thanks to all of our wonderful guests that joined us tonight. Thank you so much. I hope that we gave some people some gems. Um, you know, and, and if you have anything you want to comment below, please do. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me, y'all.